Daniel, going to Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 14. Some years ago, I spoke from this uh, scriptures that I had planned to go in another direction today and talking about faith, but on the way home yesterday evening, God began to speak to me about these scriptures again. So this morning, we're going to uh, share uh, from these passage again this morning. How many know God's word is inexhaustible? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for his living word. Amen. And so I want to go here to uh, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 14. And it said, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, uh, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not have, uh, do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? And now if you are ready at this time to you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the uh, harp, and the psalm tree, and the symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made uh, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you on this matter if that is the case. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. For another opportunity to share the word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you today that you've brought us to this place for such a time as this. I pray that your word will just be that to us today, that it'll be a light, it'll be a direction, it'll be a path to us today that we can walk in your divine purpose for our lives. And God, as we come to a conclusion of this service today, let us say it has been good to be in the presence of the Lord. And that our lives have been challenged, changed, and transformed because of your presence. And we give you praise and thanks for it today in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. See, uh, music is a powerful tool. This week we could not understand the words in which were spoken, but we knew the song by the music. We could understand the music and we knew what they were singing because music is something that transcends beyond uh, the language in which you speak, the dialect in which you speak. It it transcends that. Music is the same wherever you go. Amen. Uh, Worship to that music, however, is is vitally important. Uh, Whenever we went into a mountain's to speak on Tuesday night, uh, the the church there was packed, and the worship team got on the stage. And during the midst of worship, 
the sound, it wasn't because the sound was, was not loud. The sound was much louder than it is at the tab. If you think it gets loud around here, you ought to be with me there. It was loud. But in the midst of that loud music, I, I, I do not exaggerate one bit, the congregation became louder than the worship team. It is something that we missed out on in America because we come to hear somebody else sing. When the reality is that somehow we have come to this conclusion that whenever we come and we listen to somebody else sing, that we ourselves have worshipped. But the reality of it is, is we haven't worshipped until we open up our mouth. We haven't worshipped until we've put our hands together. We haven't worshipped until we have danced our dance and sang a song unto the Lord. Amen. And and so uh, in that atmosphere, music played a role in which we could enter into worship because now we understood or knew the song in which they were playing. Uh, Elijah had them play music before he would begin to minister because he understood that if the music set the atmosphere for what needed to happen in that moment that is the reason why that it's a spiritual thing it doesn't even have to be in the church that's the reason why that that rock music is so powerful amen It stirs up the demonic world. It begins to create an atmosphere for satanic and demonic spirits to begin to flow and operate in in that that atmosphere and that arena in the sound of music. uh, Something happens in the spirit realm. So you have to be very careful about what you allow yourself to hear. I know it sounds old school, but it's the truth. You can't just let everything come in your ears. You can't just participate in everything that is going on. You've got to guard your ears. You've got to guard your eyes. You've got to guard your mouth and what you put yourself in agreement with. And, and so we see that Elijah said that he came, they came to him and said, prophesy, give us a word. And he said, bring me a psalmist, bring me an instrument, play something. And as they began to play the harp, he began David even as well, that he would play the harp and the prophecy would begin to flow. Ministry would begin to take place. There's something powerful that happens in music. And so Elijah, when they began to play, he began to prophesy. He began to declare what they needed to do. And so today, whenever we enter into worship and we begin to come into agreement with the sound of the house, then the presence of God is at liberty to flow and at liberty to minister. You see, every generation is connected to a sound. Uh, there are some here today that that you you would would relate if the, if over these uh, this uh, sound system today they started playing some sixty music you'd relate. For others it may be eighties music. For others it may be twenty first century music. But there's something that could come over this sound system today, and the moment that it did, a smile would come on your face. 
the moment that it did, it, it would remind you of where you were when you first heard that song, huh? It would remind you of the place. It would remind you of an event. It would remind you of something in your past where you were because music connects every generation. There is a sound and it connects to deep into the soul of man. It changes things. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't try to change the government. He didn't try to change the policy. He tried to change their worship. Amen. Because he knew that if he could get them to begin to worship another God, that, that he wouldn't have to worry about policy. Policy would change. He knew that if he could get them to worship another God, that he would not have to worry about government. They would line up with the government in which he desired to take them in. He knew that if they worshiped their, his God, that they would become like that God in which they worshiped. So if he can get them to worship a, a, a stop worshiping a living God and start worshiping a dead, lifeless, superficial God, then they would have no power to control them. They would have no authority in which to stand. And so he did not worry about government. He didn't worry about policy. He said, I've got to change the way they are worshiping. I've got to change the one they are worshiping because you see, we understand that we become like what we worship. So if you worship a superficial God, you will only become like superficial. You'll be more worried about what people see and what people are saying and what people are doing. You'll be worried about fitting in and you'll be worried about all of these other things that are superficial. Amen. And, and when you serve a dead God, when you're worshiping a golden calf, you become dead and lifeless like the image in which you are worshiping. This present day system that we live in doesn't mind us having a ceremonial God. They don't mind you coming to church as long as you don't believe. They don't mind you having special occasions and inviting God to, to the wedding and to the funeral. They don't mind you having a ceremonial God and bringing him out for Christmas and Easter. As long as you live or worship this ceremonial lifeless God, they don't have a problem with you worshiping. But you see, whenever you, they do have a problem whenever you believe. When you believe that God is able, when you believe that God is, is a true and a living God, when you believe it's more than just ceremonial, you can come to church every Sunday and it just becomes a ceremony to you where that we go through the motions, we sing three songs, we take up an offering, we preach a 30-minute message and you go home never touched, never changed, never challenged by the power of God, just going through the motions. But we have to understand today that our God is not a ceremonial God, that our God is a living God, that our God is a God that we serve and we don't serve him just on Sundays. We don't serve him just on Wednesdays. We don't just come and sing songs and worship at the shrine of past successors, but we come here to worship a true and a living God. And so we worship 
worship him today and we don't worship him just out of a manipulation. We don't worship him to try to get something from him, but we worship to him. We give him glory. We give him praise. We give him honor and we are not trying to manipulate or pull on the arm of God, but we're trying to touch the heart of God because he really is alive and there is a beat and when we begin to worship him, our worship goes up as a sweet incense in his presence and when we, he, he, it comes into his presence he is pleased and he comes and he dwells among our worship glory to God he's always on the move he is always going somewhere he's always looking for somebody that will worship and praise him and God will come and inhabit the praise of those who worship him and so we have to understand today that we're not just here at a ceremonial religious rigor, but we are here today to serve a true and a living God. We're not here today to mourn the death of our leader, but we're here today to celebrate a resurrected living Christ that dwells among us. Hallelujah. Come on and give him praise today. Worshiping a dead God, they don't have any problem with. That's the reason why they don't have no problem with you worshiping Buddha. Huh? You don't see on the media where they're trying to take Buddha out of school. You don't see where they're trying to take, uh, you know, Muhammad out of the, out of the courthouse. Huh? They got a problem because if you serve a dead God, you're lifeless and you don't have any power. But whenever you're connected to a living God, <laughs> amen, when you begin to worship a living God, they begin to get nervous because now it cannot control you as it desires to control you. When you worship a living God, they have a problem with you. When you worship a God that can heal, when you worship a God that can save, when you worship a God that brings deliverance, when you worship a God that sets the captive free, when you worship a God that looks like your enemy has overtaken you and has total control of you, but God begins to show up and reveal his power, they have a problem because they know no matter what, what the circumstance looks like that if you begin to worship him he will come to where you are and they cannot contain you amen you become like what you worship so my question is what are we worshiping what are you worshiping are you worshiping a god that is ceremonial are you worshiping a god that has done great things in the past are you worshiping a God that, that, that did this and this and this for you in the past? Or are you worshiping a God that is still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Are you worshiping a God that is your God today? He's not, thank God for the God of the past. Thank God for the God that saved you. Thank God for the one that delivered you, healed you, made a way for you when they're seen. But are you worshiping? Is he still alive to you? Is he still 
still real to you? Is he still the same yesterday, today? Are you just worshiping on the past shrine of his success in your life? Tell you today that he must be alive in you now. He must be real to you now. Amen. And when we begin to worship you, uh, God, our God, amen, you're worshiping a God that is alive and alive forevermore and our progressive God that is always moving forward. God is never staying where he is. He's always on the move. He's moving towards something. He is leading towards something. He is moving into our future. So we need to understand today that if we're going to continue to worship him, we cannot worship him tomorrow where we worshiped him today. But we've got to get a reality and a revelation of who he is in our future and worship him for not what he has been, but what he shall be. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar knew these boys were worshiping the true and the living God. And they told Nebuchadnezzar, if that's the way it's going to be, we need to tell you something. And that is that our God is able. Does anybody know that he's able today? When we first got saved and we first began to walk with the Lord, we had to get saved on somebody else's faith. We had to get saved on somebody else's testimony. We didn't know that that he could, but we heard that he was able. Somebody, we, we came to Christ because somebody told us that he was able to deliver us. Somebody gave a testimony and told how he was able to deliver them. And because of that, our, our walk with God began with knowing that he is able. We know that his word says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or even think according to the power that is now working within us. Amen. Others testimonies told us that he was faithful. Others testimony told us that he would be able to make a way when there seemed there was no way. And we began to believe that he was able. And because we believed that he was able, we called on the name of Jesus. Amen. And when we did, we found out for ourselves that he was able to save us. He was able to redeem us. He was able to bring us out of bondage and sin and iniquity. We come to an understanding that he is able, amen, to supersede everything that I can think. When you have come to the greatest conclusion of who God is and what he is able to do, I tell you that isn't even the foundation of who God is because he is greater than that. Amen. He is greater than that. He, I said he is greater than that. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither is it even entered into the heart of man what God is able to do. So we have to come in knowing that he is able. And these Hebrew boys came and they said, we know that God is able. And with that foundation of faith, of knowing that God is able. They made a choice not to worship his idol gods. At a foundational faith of knowing that God is able, they made a choice that we would rather worship our God and you kill us. 
than for us to worship your God and stay alive. Amen. And so they said, we know that our God is able. Amen. I tell you today that God is still able. I wonder if there's anybody you have a testimony here this morning that God is able. Amen. That God really is able. I'm not talking about we think it, but we know that he is able. He is able to keep us to the day of redemption. He is able, amen, to deliver us. He is able able to heal us. He is able to give us peace in the midst of sorrow. He is able to turn our mourning into dancing and our sorrow into joy. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able. He really is able, praise God, to do it if we will believe. Understanding that our God is able is a foundational faith that says we know he's able. Huh? We know he's able to do a thing. Now, whether he does it or not, we don't know. But we do know he is able. The reason why this is the elementary faith is because people have heard testimonies and they have believed in their heart that he is able, but they yet do not have that relationship to know and understand that if he is able, then he will. Because we have a father-son relationship. We're in covenant with him. And so if he is able, it, it is though that, that, that it isn't the doubt in their hearts that, that we don't know if he's able or not. We just don't know if he will or not, but that's not the case. We know that he is our father. He gives good gifts to his children. He blesses us. And so they were walking in this, re- this low realm of faith. But how many know that God's faith, faith in God is a progressive faith? Amen. It is progressive. Your faith cannot stay where you are. Your faith cannot stay. You can't stay on the same level of faith and expect to defeat your enemy tomorrow on the faith you have today. But your faith has to be progressive to a place that it is constantly and continually from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Amen. We've got to walk this thing out and we have to begin to have progressive faith to believe God that even though we have not seen it in today, that we have faith that God can do it tomorrow. Amen. And that progressive faith began to build in their hearts and they said, we don't know if he will or not but we know he is able and then faith went to another level as they begin to talk you know sometimes you've just got to talk and as they begin to talk they talk themselves into another level of faith they begin to say we know he will deliver us Is there anyone today walked with God long enough to understand he will? Amen. After you've walked with him a while in this faith, you don't have to depend on other people's faith. You don't have to depend on other people's testimonies. It's wonderful to hear other people's testimonies.
I've come all the way from Honduras and y'all act like you're asleep. I said, it's wonderful to hear the testimony of other people. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the words of their testimony. Amen. And so it was a progressive faith. Now they weren't depending any longer on what they had heard. But now they're walking in a realm that they know that God will deliver them. Amen. He will save me. He will heal me. He will restore me. When you walk with God long enough, you begin to understand that faith is progressive and you begin to build upon what God has already done in your life. Amen. Thank God for the testimony. Amen. Of Jamie. Thank God of the testimony of Stacy and Jordan and John. But thank God I grab hold of that and say hallelujah to it. But if I don't hear John's testimony or Jordan's or Stacy's or Jamie's, I've got enough faith on the inside of me because of what God has already done for me in my life. That if I don't hear anybody else praise him, if I don't hear anybody else giving him glory, if nobody else believes that God can do it because he's never done it before, there's already a faith in me that says... He will deliver me. He will make a way. He will turn this thing around. Amen. And that's exactly what David did. His faith was a progressive faith. When he went against Goliath, he looked at them and he began to pull from what God had already done. And he said, looked at Goliath in the face in front of a nation. And he said, the same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear and the arm of the hand of the lion is the same God. He rolled that faith over. He said, you ain't talking to somebody. This ain't my first rodeo, baby. I've been walking with the Lord for a while now, and he's brought me a mighty long ways. He delivered me from a lion. He delivered me from a bear. He brought me out of a horrible pit. Amen. I tell you today that don't throw your testimony away, but let it be a memorial. Write it down. Remind the devil every once in a while of how good God has been to you. When you face death, amen, you know that God brought you through. Amen. When you face the things in your life and obstacles in your life when you didn't know which way to turn or which way to go, but God had delivered you in days past and you believed him for that thing and he turned it around for your good and you just remind the devil that the same God that brought me here is the same God that's going to deliver me out of this situation here right now. He will. He will. Tell your neighbor he will. He will. He will make a way. He will turn the darkness into day. Whatever it takes, he will cause the sun to stand still. Huh? He will. And if he will, then we're going to praise him right here in the midst of it. Amen. David said he will deliver me from the, this Philistine. Amen. Sometimes your faith is not on the platform. 
Sometimes your faith in your life is not where everyone else can see it. But if you'll be faithful when there's no one to impress. If you'll be faithful when nobody else is looking. If you'll be faithful to slay a lion and a bear when there's nobody to see it done. God will raise you up in front of a nation to slay a giant. Why? Because he knows you're not going to get on the stage and get stage fright. He knows that you're going to go out there like you know that he will. Amen. How many know can, can walk with me today and see David going out there? He didn't go out there as a shy backward boy. He didn't go out there uh, uh, underconfident. He didn't go out there uh, 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 cowering down and saying, well, I, I, I hope God will do something. I, I think he will. Huh? But he went out there knowing he will. He went out there in the confidence of what God had done. And knowing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he'd done it before, he will do it now. Amen. He went out there and he wasn't going in arrogance, but he was going in faith, knowing that God will do a thing. And so he went out there with that confidence. And when the Goliath started hurling all of these words at him, because you see, words have power. Words are alive, right? And he began to say, look here, I called for a warrior. I called for somebody to fight me. And you sent me a little shepherd boy, right? But he he said, I'm going to tear you apart. I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. That spirit of intimidation tried to stop him. The spirit of intimidation tried to get him to cower down and to stop using his faith. But what did David do? He laughed in the face of that thing. He laughed in the face of Goliath. He laughed in the face of that spirit of intimidation. I promise you, every time that you try to go to another level, every time that you go to another dimension, every time that you step on another platform in which you have never stepped, before whatever it is in your life the enemy of intimidation will come to you to try to get you to cower down why because it takes another level of faith you are not operating in this level where you are on where you have been but it takes another level of faith and faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen you haven't seen a Goliath destroyed before you haven't seen this happen in front of a nation before in fact all of Israel is afraid of him and cowering down to him all you've seen is a lion and a bear but you've never seen a Goliath but he walks into that place like he knows that God will and he says let me remind you that this God that I am serving has delivered me and now I'm walking into another realm of faith and I'm going to see here today something that I have never seen before I'm going to see something here today that Israel has never seen before. I'm going to see Goliath, a giant, come down with a rock. Because you see, you never have enough. When you go to the next dimension, you never have everything you need. 
God pushes on you to go to the next level, the next dimension when you are yet ill prepared. You've got some things together. You've got some things going for you, but you don't have everything you need. Huh? Why? Because if you had everything you need, you would go in your own confidence. You would go in your own ability. You would go uh, with an arrogance instead of a faith. But when you know that you don't have everything you need, you still must depend upon God. Amen. And David went out there with a sling and a rock and he said, I know that God will deliver me from your hands today. Thank God today that we have some people that still believe even though we may not have it all together, even though we may not have everything working for us, we still know he will. I said, we still know he will. And then they go to another level. We know he is able. New Christian faith. We know he will. The faith of the believer that has walked for a while with God and because of what he has done for them personally they believe he will but then the third level of faith is that but if not I know that it sounds negative but I submit to you it is the highest level of faith because everyone knows what to do when God answers the way you prayed for him to answer Everyone knows how to shout a shout and dance a dance. When the answer comes, you've been praying for. But what do you do when you don't get the answer you've been praying for? What do you do when you ask God to heal and healing doesn't come? What do you do when you pray for your marriage? What do you do when you believe God with everything that is in you that God is able, but they didn't get healed? Someone else got the job. You went through the divorce. You see, I know what to do when God answers my prayers, but I need someone to tell me what to do when you don't, it doesn't go the way you believed it would go. When you, when you sought him and you believed him and there, there you find no answers. There you find that, that it seems like that what you believe for, that it does not happen. What do you do? Do you abandon your faith? Do you give up on God? Do you say that he is not able because of the circumstance that you have gone through? You, you, you begin to 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 put God in this box of circumstance instead of the God of who he is. But I want to tell you today that they said, "We, we believe he is able. We believe that he will. But if he doesn't, if we fry in the midst of this furnace, if we die in the midst of the fire, 
Let it be known, King, that we'll die worshiping Jehovah God. Let it be known, King, that it's not going to change our faith one little iota, but we are going into this fire believing God, serving God, worshiping Jehovah God, and if we come out on the other side, King, we'll still be worshiping Jehovah God. We'll still be praising his name. We'll still be serving the living God, but let it be known if we die in there, just let everybody know that we died worshiping him. We died serving him. We died lifting up his name and glorifying him. Amen. We still will worship our God. I refuse to allow circumstance to dictate to me who my God is because you see the reality of it is I've prayed for some people and instead of getting healed they died. I have went to the graveside and buried our evil in our own family, believing God to heal them and raise them up off of the deathbed. I believe God for some things in my life that haven't come to pass, but I want to tell you that in the midst of it all, he's still God and he's still worthy of my praise and I refuse to allow circumstances. I refuse to allow situations to dictate to me, but I'm going to still worship him. I'm going to praise him if I get the new car or not, I'm going to bless his name. If I get the house or not, I'm going to praise his name. If they get healed or not, I'm still going to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Yes, I believe he is able. I believe he will. But if not, it's not going to change anything in my life. You will find me in the house of the Lord praising him day and night. I'll be like a tree anchored by the water and my leaves will not wither and I will not grow weary. I'll stand by night in the house of the Lord with one hand without wrath and the other without doubt and say God you are still good to me. Praise God. Why? Not because of what I've done but because of who you are and I may not understand and I may not comprehend it but if not I'm still going to praise your name. We still worship only our God. What did this kind of faith produce? It produced the shield in the midst of the fire. Huh? They walked into the flame, right? And the Bible said the ones that put them in the furnace were consumed. He said, turn it up one seventh time hotter. It was hotter than it was supposed to be. It consumed or sucked in the men that put them in the fiery furnace. But there was a shield that was around them. It was the Holy Spirit. Faith built a shield around their life that even though they walked through the fire, that if fire could not consume them, it was a shield that protected them. I want to tell you today that if you will only believe that God will put a shield around you, sometimes in our life, God doesn't deliver us from the fire, but he will keep us in the midst of the fire. He didn't keep the children of Israel from going across 
across the Red Sea, but it kept them while they were going across it. He didn't keep Daniel from going in the lion's den, but he kept him in the midst of a hungry lions. He didn't keep Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego from going through the fiery furnace, but he was their shield from the fire in the midst of the flame. Amen. And the old king looked and said, look here, you see, your testimony is not going to affect the world because God delivered you from everything. But they're watching you that when the prayer isn't answered, when the things don't go your way, how are you going to respond? Because he said, look here, we've, didn't we not tie three men bound into these fiery flames? But I look down there, they're loose and they're walking around and the fourth man looks like the son of God. I tell you today that if we don't sit around and we don't mourn and we don't grieve and we don't act like God can't do a thing, even in the fire, we need to have a praise in our heart that says through it all, I'm going to learn to trust in him. Through it all, I will praise him. Through it all, I will bless his holy name and it will bring God into the equation and he will walk with us through the fire. He will walk through us through the flood. He will walk with us through the den of lions and he will bring us out on the other side and we will know that he is God and he alone. What killed others could not kill them. Some of you in this room right now, some of the things you've walked through, the enemy meant to to cause you to lose your mind. Other people went through less than what you went through and they're in the same asylum today. Huh? It's true. But you see, the reality of it is that God's kept you. God has put his shield around you. Amen. And he's brought you through the fire. What I like about it, I know I've got to close, but, but what I like about it is this. The Bible said that not even the smell of smoke was upon their garments. This tells me something. I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to be the victor. What I go through in life, I can allow it, Jamie, to cause me to become negative Judgmental, critical, cynical, and hating on God. Or I can use it as a testimony against my enemy. Because not even the smell of smoke, just because you go through something doesn't mean you have to have the stench of it on you. Huh? They went through the fire and when they come out on the other side, nobody could even tell what they had been through. Huh? Nobody could even tell what they had been through because God had preserved them. God had kept them. And when they came out on the other side, they said, we can't even smell any smoke. We can't even smell the hairs, not sins, their clothes are not burnt. They don't even have any residue left on them of what they've been through. I want to tell you, but if not faith will cause you to come through the fire with not even the stench, not even the residue of what you've been through on your life. 
some of the people that praise the hardest are the people that's been through the most. Amen. Jamie, come help me that way out.